Hey, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Being Trans. Um, let's start this off. Today is the 26th of August, 2019. A year ago yesterday, I was born. I mean, 50 years ago yesterday, I was born. And I kind of just sort of... Instead of having a big shadu, big bang, big hoo-ha, I'm going to show everybody that I am me. I just relaxed, shut the door, and I thought about the last 50 years. I thought about what what I've seen, what I've done, and how things have gone. It's not been an easy road. As many of you know, I've had my experiences where, yeah, I wish it hadn't happened. If many of you had paid attention along the lines or read my book or viewed my blog, you know I've had my challenges. And I've, I'm being honest, I've caused a lot of those challenges myself. So... In looking at the next 50 years, well, let's be honest, I'm not going to get another 50. Um, I'm looking at 30 years is the average from this point. My dad once said all he wanted to do was make it to the point where he was one year older than his dad. That was my dad's goal, to be one year older than his dad. And I looked at that goal and I thought, wow, that's kind of an empty goal, even for me. I really don't care. What I do care about is making it one more year to watch my kids grow, become healthy, good people. And I mean this, well-rounded individuals, people that you can look up to, people that will take our world to the next level, that will elevate us as a society, that will pick up and lift where they stand. To me, that is the ultimate goal. I don't... don't really care about being rich. I never have. I just really don't care. Um, I'm not that shallow of a person to have to shop at at a certain store just so I can brag about it and feel good that, you know, the clothes on my back say, designer label. I have an ex that does that. She can make up for me. Um, I really haven't... Yeah, I really haven't worried or concerned myself with that kind of a, of a lifestyle because I think people are really shallow when they start to look at it has to have that kind of thing. And in 50 years, I haven't been proven wrong. 50 years, I have not been proven wrong that the name on the back of your clothes makes (laughs) you anything other than a fool. Because I've seen rich people starve. I've seen poor people starve. And not necessarily by food in their belly. Because anybody can starve with with lacking food in their belly. I'm more talking along the lines of starving from being good individuals. Being well-rounded individuals. Because at the end of the day, if you're a piece of shit, You're a piece of shit. And I've met a few. I've married a couple. 
And yeah, I, I guess we can both we can all say that um, when you look at it, nobody really likes their exes because that's the truth. We really all don't like our exes. So I really shouldn't say she's a piece of shit, but some of the things, oh my god. Now, being back to what I was talking about before I just went on that little thing. In the last 50 years, I've seen some amazing things. I never thought I'd see the world go to war again. I never thought. I would see the world go to war again. Now, you're probably thinking to yourself, what? We didn't have a World War III. Oh, yeah, we did. You just didn't recognize it. World War III does not mean all the world has to join in on beating up each other. But in a, in a joint effort, our world did go back to war. And it was against Saddam Hussein. It was Desert Storm. <laughs> and it was a storm in the desert. And then the man lit the skies of the Middle East on fire. And turned them black as soot. Then we went back in after we decided we couldn't, we shouldn't finish the job the first time, which I never really understood why. Um, it was more of a half-assed attempt. And then when George Bush Jr. came in to be the next president of the United States, he had to step into his daddy's shoes and finish the job. And he lied to the whole world, which we all know it was a lie. But one man lost his life, and a lot of others lost their lives. One leader lost his life. Now, not to say that Saddam was a good person, because what he'd done in the past was pretty shitty. But George was just as bad. He did some pretty shit, too. And I think that we as a society... <sighs> Both of my kids wasted a banana. Thank you. We as a society tend to overlook the evils that these leaders do. And not hold them accountable for the crap they've done. And someday that's going to be a reckoning, I think. But I've also seen the Berlin Wall fall. I was watching the news when it happened. I thought, oh my god, it's really happening. Give you some significant um, context on this. When I was in high school, all right, I looked at um, a National Geographic. And no, it wasn't because what most boys look or other people look at National Geographic for – Back in those days, I was looking at it for information because I am a history buff. I love my history. And I love reading about it. I love diving deep into the unknown of history. And great. Sneeze on air. That's a good one. There's a first for everything. I got Go get a tissue. Sorry about that. I, I love history. And so I'm watching this unfold in front of my eyes. And what might be something that others might not look at as a significant event. For me, it was just the most amazing time in history. Here was the last vestiges of World War II. Now, I want you to think of this for a second. It wasn't built during World War II, but it was a direct follow-on from World War II. It was one country trying to separate itself from another country. 
And we in the West had one ideology and Russia had another. And when I started looking at this, I was thinking to myself, oh my gosh, what um, an amazing time in history. I've just seen something I never thought would happen. Honestly, never thought I'd see the Berlin Wall fall. I've seen two space shuttles explode. That was kind of a shocker. That took me back a ways. Knowing that, you know, in the past, other rockets have gone up and exploded as well. And people have died. It's a risky business going to space. And if you didn't know that, well, then you're only kidding yourself. I've, saw, I've read about discoveries of ancient civilizations that have blown my mind in the last 50 years. Just completely taken me out of what I thought was comfort. I've seen some of the most amazing individuals accomplish things that no one would have ever thought a human was capable of doing. I've seen a man with no arms, no legs, become one of the smartest people in the world. I've seen a man who's crippled from the waist down do sports that would just blow your mind on how he did it. I have seen I've seen Vanessa and I well how about let's just say I've seen the Williams sisters conquer tennis in a way that I doubt anybody in the world will ever truly understand the full impact of what they've done. I have seen the most disgusting things in 50 years. I never thought, not for one second in my life, that we would have the equivalent of a lynching taking place in my time. There was a young man by the name of Trevor who was tied to a fence in uh, the United States in the middle of winter after being brutally beaten up for being gay and left for dead. He froze to death and bled out and, well, bled out and flo froze to death. All because the hatred of one group of people. I saw a young lady's life taken away this a few years ago by another hate-filled bastard who ha who just ran her over with his car drove into a crowd of people and she was killed i've seen the i've seen some of the best presidents of the united states as far as decision makings go I've seen the first black president of the United States, and I've seen the first orange president of the United States destroy that man's legacy. Just simply because he hated him from the word go. And, he, and I watched how it happened. No one thought it was really possible that a, a Cheeto would become the president of the United States. But if you watch from the start, you'll see how he groomed the American public over and over and over again. He groomed the American public, and the American public 
stayed with it. I've seen... I grew up when the Jonestown murders happened. I watched my family who were at home when it was on the news look at the television in shock and horror. I didn't understand what it meant at that time. I did not. I really did not know the full significance of it. And then I watched as the world has looked at America in shock and horror. With our chests clutched, our hearts broken. As a country of people allow children to be massacred on a daily basis. I watched and I'm still watching a country that used to call home used to call home turn its back on common sense just because they want to have something in their hands that makes them feel safe but it really doesn't I really don't know what to say when I look at what's happened in 50 years. The amount of hatred that comes from my place of birth towards so many groups shocks me. If you're part of the LGBT spectrum, you only fool yourself if you think America loves you. Because it doesn't. It doesn't even love its own children. Unless they're still in the mother's womb. And then they fight hard, tooth and nail, to make sure that that mother has a baby. But they don't give a damn once that baby is born. I've seen... So many times, I've seen so many times where Where we have forgotten what is important, and that is family. I once read that the Catholic Church used to sell scrolls of forgiveness. So you'd pay money to the church... Read the scroll and it would save your sins. It would wash you clean because you paid this money for this scroll. And I thought to myself, it really hasn't changed in the thousands of years, the thousand or so years of, of religion. It really hasn't changed. Money gets paid, hands are wrenched, and those that are at the top live high on the fat 
of those at, from the bottom. I've seen it in more ways than one. I grew up in a church, the Mormon church, where I thought everything made sense. I didn't like some of the aspects that, you know, I'm trans and that the people that I supported really at the heart of it were not there for me or anybody that was like me. In fact, they were outwardly hostile towards them. And if you don't believe me, it's called passive aggressive. We love the we hate the sin, but we love the sinner. That's passive aggressive, if you didn't know. And when you start to strip it all back and you start to look at it and you go, Oh my god, really this is such a horrible thing that we've done in our world. This is such a horrible, horrible thing. You know, you look at churches like Hillsong. Hillsong, and the man lives so wealthy, but his parishioners live like paupers, except for a select few, you know, who might be a prime minister or something like that or something else. It really, really shouldn't shock you. I mean, those that are really, I think, really believing in God are the poor. They search for something better. And in my 50 years, I've seen it over and over again. They search for something so much better. But they can't find it. So they look. To somebody that really doesn't listen or doesn't care. Or can't by certain laws that might have be out there. Or maybe he just wants to see how good or bad we truly are. I don't know. I've seen it on both sides of the fence. And I've cried a number of tears over the whole thing. But we're going to take a break and we're going to talk a little bit more about what I'd like to see in the future and what I'm going to start doing in the future because today is day one. Take a break, grab a drink, come back, and let's have some more conversation. Thank you for listening again. Hey, just a friendly reminder. My blogs, my podcasts, my books, everything I do is supported by you. If you could do me a kind favor, for as low as $3 a month, go to patreon.com forward slash Alina Robbins and um, give me a little bit of sponsorship. I would really agree be very grateful. It also allows me to make sure that I can continue to bring you interesting content and continue to keep up information on the blog that helps people. And it also allows me to continue to help out on Kunara. Thank you so much for everything you do. And I hope to keep doing this for a very long time. You know, as uh, we were talking, I took a little break myself and thought I'd come back with a little bit fresher view and maybe not such a doom and gloom look at the next 30 years. I really hope the best for the next 30 years. Um, I want to see my kids grow up in a world that is much different than what we see on the television, what we're reading on Facebook, what we're reading on different news meet outlets, because it is really kind of scary when you start looking at what is the possibility of the future for us. And unless we do something about it, unless we start really proactively getting off our fat bottoms 
and going out there and trying to affect real change. It's not looking good. But, like myself and so many others, change is happening. Change is taking place. We don't need the government to necessarily do it for us. It would be nice if the government would do something along their lines. But along our lines, we're trying to change. We're trying to affect real change. Like, we're calling it. We're not going to worry about a car. You know? I thought, you know, it, it was going to... I thought it was really difficult to be without a car. I was really scared because I've never not had a car. Never. And here I am now without a car. I'd like to have a car. I really would. I'd like to have another vehicle because there's some things that are just so difficult to try and sort out. Like if you want to go across town, now you can't. You have to plan it. And sometimes planning takes time, and you have to look at how and when you're going to do things. Case in point, this week I've got a lot of people that want to meet with me, and I've talked to each of them. I've tried to plan it out as best as I can, and I've said, you know, look, if we're going to do this, we're going to do this on this day. Thursday is my whole day in town. I mean, it's going to be absolutely insane for me. But I'm meeting with a lot of people. And I'm hoping that I can start to bring some real change around it. You know, and I, I posted a challenge to someone who just got elected. They were like, oh, you know, maybe not be so hard on me. And I said, hey, you know, really, if you want to have people not be so hard on you as an elected official, Maybe proactively start trying to help the people that are in your area. Not just the ones that have the money, not just the ones who dish out all the money towards your re-election. Start looking at us like real humans. Start talking to us about our problems, our difficulties, our challenges. Because a lot of us face things that you don't recognize. And that your current you're a part of a party that doesn't want to do anything other than line its own pockets with its greed and make those at the top even happier while those of us at the bottom are really going nowhere. And so I posted this challenge and I, 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 I said to her because everybody was attacking her and I said, look, I'm not going to attack you. I'm not going to attack you until I get the opportunity to give you the chance to talk with me. If you don't talk with me, then I won't be a voice of reason for you or for what you're trying to do. Because I find that it's very disingenuous to sit there and attack someone for doing nothing. Unless their job means they have to do something and they still do nothing. Then I'm going to open a full volley on you. And I'm going to say, I've given you every chance you wanted. I'm going to tell the world, hey, this person was supposed to meet with me. Why haven't you? So... You know, I'm going to call her today and say, hey, you know, hey, Thursday, I am in town the whole time. I am really busy on Thursday, but that's the way it needs to be. But if I can fit her in in the morning, that'll be great. Because I'm going to be crazy busy from about 12 noon onward. This week, I'm also going back to um, the university, and I'm talking again. I'm doing it all over again. I get to talk with doctors and tell them what it's like being me once more. And I'm so excited about it because I really, really do appreciate how much we can look at improving the healthcare for the trans community. I'm also going to walk down the hill to my doctor, pick up my prescription on, 
I think I'm going to do that on Wednesday as well because I'm getting a tax. They're paying for me a taxi to go to this event. So I'll go a little bit early and walk down the hill and get myself my prescription, which I have to pay for. And then I'll go back up and have my little meeting and my little powwow, and I'll feel really good about it. And then from there, I don't know. I don't think I have anything really going on on Wednesday. I actually have a a semi-calm day for Wednesday. And, yeah, I'm just really excited about the future. I'm hoping, and I'm working on it right now, trying to find a way to start talking to doctors on an open level where they can do the same thing that they're doing with P3, but already looking at talking to established doctors and um, getting it out there into the community um, for healthcare of how we can better look at servicing the trans community. I'm also looking at it on a line of what can be done to service um, services that exist. Because as, as we know that I'm 50 years old, in 30 years I may be looking at a place, a home, or I may be staying with my kids. I don't know. But in 30 years, let's be realistic. Where am I going to be? In 10 years, I kind of have an idea what I'm going to be doing. I have it all pretty much planned out. I am going to go be an adventure seeker and start to look at the mainland and start seeing what's up there. Because what I have down here needs to have just a, a rotation of change, and I'm really kind of excited about that. And I love my children. I really do. I love them with all my heart, and I hope that as they start to look at the future, that they're starting to plan it out. I'm working with them. You know, I've got one who wants to be a police officer. I've got one who wants to teach jujitsu at some point, and I've got a daughter who wants to do something different. And I'm all excited about all this. It's really really exciting future for the next 30 years. I look at my oldest daughter who's in Melbourne and I am so very proud of her. I really, really am. She's 26 years old and, you know, she's living her life and it's exciting to watch and and see how things grow with this young lady that I was able to play a large part in her life. You know, and I, I really sincerely hope that she is doing well with her future is, is where she's got plans on it going. And that, that to me is crucial beyond all measure of um, – yeah, all measure of, of – anything I can think of because I really do want the best for my kids. I was also hoping, you know, as I'm looking at everything that's going on, where am I going as a person? Where am I going as a parent? Um, what is the future for me in my in as me, you know, what do I want? And I, I have said I really do really, really, really want to get up to um, – I think it's in Western Australia. There is some uh, Egyptian hieroglyphics that they have discovered that are not supposed to be in Australia. And people go, oh, that's that's impossible. You cannot have um, hieroglyphics from Egypt in Australia. But I've seen photos. These are those. 
and these are not current made. They are quite old, and it really does stretch the um, the idea that maybe we are being told everything, because I don't think we are. I think we are definitely not being told everything. So I, I'm rather excited, and that, that I really want to do. Um, I also want to take the opportunity to, to touch Uluru. I, I really want to touch it. it. It's not a matter of, of wanting to touch it as a, as a tourist. I want to touch it on a level that I understand it. So I want to talk to people that, that are part of the culture there. And I want to find out why Uluru is so special to them. And I want to hear it from their own words. I don't want to read about it. I don't want to try and um, guess at why it is such a crucial part of their culture. I want to be able to, um, to hear from their own lips. This is why we, we value Uluru. This is why she's so important to us as a um, a civilization. And then I want to get up to there's there's a place also in the north of Australia where they know that it's existed for a very long time, and it is some of the most earliest. Um, structure building known to mankind. It's older than the pyramids. And it is it's older than some of the Neolithic um, structures that we've seen. It's older than some of the um, the structures on uh, the Isle of Man. It, it, it really is amazing. When you look at this, these are it's it's been carved into a uh, some rock, and they have built rock. They've used the rock to support a roof over their head, and these pillars are placed out mathematically correct to give the maximum amount of support to this this rock roof. And when you look at it, and if when you when you first look at it, you go, "There's just no way this is right." And then you start diving into the idea that we really, really don't know jack crap about this earth. And yet, you know, we've seen so many ice ages come and go. We've seen the earth kill off its its um, its own uh, existing life forms more than once. And they've come back. This planet is special, so I'm not. I'm not really so worried that that we're going to see a. Um, oh, I get. I'm, I'm trying to. I'm trying to find the correct words. I, I please forgive me. I'm not so worried that that we're going to die off and and there'll be no sign of us left because. It's happened before, and here's all these signs. You know, I, I think the pyramids will outlive us, um, and I think that the truth behind the pyramids is gone as well. Um, especially the the oldest one, you know, the Pyramid of Cheops, um, which we know isn't necessarily Cheops's pyramid, but it was just. Oh, what could you say? For the be lack of a better word, it was um, it was taken over for the use of key hops. How's that? That's a little bit better thought process. And when you start looking at all these different things that are so crucial and so amazing, I want to go see them. I'm here in Australia. This is home now. So much to see, so much to do. And probably in about eight to ten, eight, eight to ten years, I'll be out doing them, and I'm excited about that. Yeah, I'll be sixty, or heading close to sixty, 
but I can do that. Um, I came to terms this past year with realizing that I've laid down my rules for my family to get back in touch with me. I laid it down. I said, look, if you want to be a part of my life, if you want to be a, understand who I am, what I am, why I am this way, then you need to get off your asses and you need to apologize. I realize that my middle sister will never do that. <laughs> my, my middle sister is so stubborn in her ways that I swear if she actually did something like that, I probably would book a ticket, fly to America, and give her a hug because she's grown. And that is something that's really amazing for her. But you, between you and me and the rest of the world, it's never going to happen. It's not possible that it's going to happen. So I don't even hope for it. Um, my oldest sister. Yeah, there's a lot of an apology that needs to come there. And am I really concerned about it happening? No, it's never going to happen either. Why? Because that individual doesn't think she did anything wrong. And that's okay. That's, you know, that's part of the reality, uh, as I've talked before. Um, and a lot of people that do out don't, don't really think that it's going to impact someone. They, they, they really don't have that, that view. And to be quite honest, I have added on an accident as well. And I really, I didn't do it on purpose, but I humbly apologized. I really sincerely apologized to the person. And I went to make it even better. And that's that's where, you know, if you're going to do something like, if you do something like it, you really need to make it right. You need to be honest and you need to say, hey, I'm sorry, I fucked up and never do it again. And it was difficult. It really was. I didn't realize I had outed. And the person said, hey, do you realize what you just did? And I went, no, I have no clue what you're talking about. And they said, if it was anybody else, I would be really upset with you because you just outed. And I went, oh, okay. And they went, but don't worry about it. I was already out, but if you – if somebody wasn't, what you said just outed. And I went, oh, okay, I didn't know that. And I felt really, really bad. I re it really, it, it felt horrific to know that I just did what I did. And a lot of people don't quite grasp the idea of outing another individual until they actually get told by that individual, that's not on, please don't do that again. And it was, it was, it was one of those things you sat there and I, I, I just sort of looked at her and I went, okay, I really am sorry. And she goes, oh, no, no, don't worry about me. I'm all good. And I'm going, well, I am not. I am having a struggle with what I've just done. And they went, well, that's the beauty of who you are. You are a good person. Just because you're struggling doesn't mean others do because they just don't. And I went, oh, okay. And she goes, but you also understand from your standpoint what it feels like to be outed. And I went, yeah, it sucks. And so as, as I was talking with this person, they were like, so where does that leave you now? And I said, well, hopefully a better person because I really didn't mean to do what I did. Now I feel really crappy. And they said, but see, that's it. So maybe your family in the States feels really crappy. They just don't know how to express it to you. And I went, well, you know, all I want is just an apology. That's all I do. I am that type of person that I'm not going to carry a grudge. Just say you're sorry and don't do it again. And well, let's go on from there. Let's have a, a, a relationship as, you know, siblings. And maybe try to understand what it was like growing up a little bit. I think that it's really crucial for my family to try and grasp what it's like when you're sitting there knowing that A plus B doesn't equal C and knowing that it's never worked correctly. 
and no, nothing you can do, nothing you can say is ever going to make it correct because it's not your problem. It was never your fault. You know, and even even that comes to my dad, you know. Yeah, I wish my dad didn't have PTSD the way he did. I would have loved to have lived in a environment where my father felt safe enough and happy enough to live his life the way he could have. I think that my dad was destined to stay in the military. He he was just – he's that type of a person. And when he joined the police force, it was even more apparent how much that kind of environment for my dad was crucial to his self-identity. And, and that's because my dad from the age of 18 was in the military in one form or another. You know, and he thought about the military from the age of 17. He planned it out. He knew what he wanted to do. And when you get into that mindset, you know, I, I really have um, – I don't blame my dad. I really, really don't. I, I, I don't blame him for anything. It's not his fault. What is his fault is just leaving it so long and doing nothing about it. And that we have to accept as the truth. And I'm not angry with him about it. By far, I'm really not angry with my dad about being who he is. Um, and I can't blame him for anything on that line of of himself. Because I, I just don't. I can't find it in my heart to be angry with the man. Um I am concerned that some things need to be resolved and people don't want to resolve them and that's okay. That's their choices. But it's, it's disheartening. And so where I would like to see is my family make an effort in themselves to learn what it's like. For those of us who are trans, to learn what it's like to um, try to survive in being trans, because it's not easy. And those of us who are trans fully understand that it's not easy. We understand that you know nothing we do, nothing we say, is going to solve this problem. And I sincerely hope sincerely hope that somewhere along the lines that I can have a meaningful communication with my father about what it was like I don't hope much for it I don't think that it's going to happen but that's that's the reality of looking at it where do you you know, where do you see yourself in these times? Where do you see yourself in trying to figure out what the solution is? Is there a solution? And if there isn't, can you live without a solution? Well, my answer to that straight across the board is, yeah, I can live without a solution. I can live without my family wanting to talk to me. I'm actually okay with it. Would like to. Would like to have that meaningful and heartfelt conversation with them and say, look, you know, this shit is just not on for anybody. I wish that, you know, you could have made some different choices. But it didn't happen. And it's never going to happen. And I'm okay with that. I'm at peace with that issue. And that ta takes a lot to be at peace with. You you have to come to a level of understanding within yourself is, is this the best for me? It's sad. It 
yeah, it really just... It's very disheartening in some ways. But that's okay. That's the way it's meant to be. That's the way it will be. So... But, as I close here, I just want to say that I do have a view for my future. I do have a view for the next 30 years. I do have a view for the next year. And, yeah, it's going to take some effort. But 50, for me, is going to be the start of the next 30 years. And it's going to be interesting. And I hope that you'll stay with me, and I hope that we can make this a wonderful journey. You too can be 50 someday. Oi! <laughs> Thank you again for taking the time and listening to me. If you need some counseling help, there is here in Launceston, Tasmania, a wonderful counselor um, at Attitude Counseling. Look them up. Stop in, have a chat with her. She works with those that are LGBT as her specialty, but you don't have to be LGBT to be seen by her. And she listens, and she cares, and she has a lot of compassion. So let's take the time. If you need immediate help that is life-threatening, call 911. Seriously, people. Call triple zero. Call 911 if you're bleeding. Call triple zero if you're bleeding. You know, those kind of things. If you need someone to talk to, Lifeline, Crisis Line, Helpline, Q Life, Men's Line, there are so many out there. Look them up. Get on the phone. Talk it out. Even if it's something that you think that you can't see the solution to, and you just need to bounce it off someone, they're there for that. Because they care about you. It only takes one person to care to save a life. So, take good care of yourself. I do care about you. And we'll talk later. Bye now.